Everyone at San Francisco Influx Admission Housing hopes you're safe and healthy during this hectic time as we as a city and community come together to fight COVID-19, aka the coronavirus. On a special edition of San Francisco Influx Admission Housing Podcast, we want to bring you a conversation between our executive director, Sam Moss, and the owner of Manny's, Manny Ecotiel. The two connected via Zoom during Manny's Super Civic Cyber Conversations series to discuss the importance of protected affordable housing during this health crisis. Lastly, a quick reminder that Mission Housing's online resource guide is available by visiting missionhousing.org and clicking on Tenant Support in the menu. I'm Julio Lara, Senior Communications Manager at Mission Housing, and this is San Francisco Influx. Dan Moss, the executive director of Mission Housing, my landlord, and also one of the most uh, badass uh, affordable housing Thank nonprofit you. developers in the city, <laughs> building housing. Um, it's a real honor to do this with you. Thank you for making the time. I know you, there's a lot going on right now with you and what you're doing and all your residents, so I appreciate it. Um, for those who are tuning in now, thank you for uh, taking part in Manny's Super Civic Cyber Conversations. Uh, we're bringing civic programming to you in this time of need. A couple quick notes. If you have a question for Sam about affordable housing and how all this is affecting affordable housing, um, just type it in the Q&A box. You don't have to wait. You can just go ahead and type it in the Q&A box now. Um, and this is going to be about 15 to 20 minutes of Sam and I talking, and then we'll have opportunity for you to ask questions. And um, if Ben is on the call, I'm sure he's going to troll me a little bit. <laughs> If you don't have all three of us on sometime, man. Oh really my God, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. You're really missing out on a sure win. You guys are, um, you guys are <laughs> quite the threesome over yeah. there. Yeah, that's just, just what I was going for. Yeah, you make for great entertainment. Uh, for <laughs> those who are um, here, please press the raise your hand button. I'd love to see who's here and just get a, get a hello from people just to make this thing less awkward and more familial. Okay, awesome, thank you. Thank you for raising your hands. Okay, welcome, Sam. First question for you is how are you doing right now? How are you feeling? How's your emotional health? Um, how's your physical health? How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, Laura and I are sheltering in place. Um, it's tough, you know. I'm sure as everybody gets that, like trying not to go crazy. Yeah. I've never walked up and down so many hills in North Beach. I've lived here for like 12 years and I, and I feel like I'm exploring places for the yeah. first time at least. Um, What's the scene like in North Beach? What's it feel like when you walk down the streets? Uh, man, I'll tell you what, Fisherman's Wharf especially feels like yeah. a crazy desert, deserted land. It's, uh, it's surreal, but um, you know, going outside helps for sure. Yes. And I'm really lucky. I mean, like the Mission Housing staff is doing such an amazing job that, you know, I'm just lucky to get to work with them. Yeah. So for those, for people who don't know about Mission Housing um, and kind of what you do and the scope of Mission Housing, do you mind just giving a sense of like, you know, how many house, how many buildings do you guys sure. own? How many uh, folks live in your affordable housing units? Um, and kind of like what kind of construction you're going through right now for people who don't already know, you know, how awesome you guys are and all that you do. Great. Yeah, sure. So we're a 48 uh, year old nonprofit affordable housing developer. Um, we're the first one that was created in San Francisco and we're a you know, community based nonprofit that's based in the Mission District, but um, we build all over San Francisco. So we have uh, about 36 properties right now, um, around 1700 units and about yeah. a little, 
little more, I know, I know it's scary. And a little more than like 3,000 tenants or so. Um, and then we're really 3, proud to- 3,000 tenants? We have about 3,000 tenants, yeah. And uh, we actually have another 1,000 100% affordable family units um, with some singles for seniors in our pipeline as well. So um, more housing on the, more much needed affordable housing on the horizon. So roughly 3,000 tenants and 3,000 um, unit individuals or units? No, about 3,000 tenants and about 1,700 uh, units. Yeah. And then another 1,000 coming through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, how, where... And most of that housing is concentrated in the mission. Is that correct? A lot, yeah, a lot of it is. We're also building 1950 Mission right now and 490 South NS. That's about um, 200, a little more than 200 units uh, that are about to come online, hopefully later this year, God yeah. willing. Um, so but, you know, we're, we're also a partner in the Bubble Reservoir Development, um, nice. which, you know, and then we're also building uh, 136 units above the Balboa BART station. So Amazing. spreading our wings a little bit. Amazing. Um, so my first question to you is, because it's so top of mind, because it just got announced, um, is, you know, a freeze on construction, does that affect you guys? And if it doesn't affect you, you know, how is construction going with the affordable housing units that you are, and you were in the process of building before all this came down? Yeah, I mean, so we're, well, we're fortunate in the sense, I mean, I don't know how fortunate, you could say that we're fortunate. We're in such a housing crisis right now that affordable housing, 100% affordable housing especially, has been deemed an essential service. Yeah. So, you know, our construction projects can and will move forward, but, you know, we're just as concerned, we have to be more concerned with safety precautions and, and things like that, you know, yeah. people taught. So, I mean, in that regard, though they are moving forward, it's, it's certainly with an abundance of caution um, yeah. on all sides. Um, you know, I think this recent more of a construction halt, I think like it'll take a little while for the dust to settle to figure out what it might mean. But um, I think that, you know, God willing, we'll be able to at least keep our 100% affordable projects moving forward. This is a hard projection to make and also a controversial question, but I've never been afraid of asking controversial questions. <laughs> as you know um do you feel like one of the when you when you start to think about the long-term ramifications of what's happening right now to the city and we don't necessarily know what the long-term ramifications are because we're still in it do you how do you think that's going to affect you know a pipeline of market rate housing the pipeline of affordable housing um do you think you know luxury or market rate whatever you want to call it not luxury luxury or market rate or below market rate how do you think all of are there, are there projects that you think are then are going to stop because wealthy people are going to leave and, and startup companies are going to like, where are you thinking of the dominoes and how they're falling and how they might affect the industry that you're a part of? Yeah. I mean, I, like you said, it's, it's, it's tough to really, really know. I mean, I think that what's really going to be hard is that, you know, the amount of layoffs that are happening in the construction industry right now are extremely detrimental, you know, to our working and to our middle class and, um, we already know that those people's homes were being pushed out to the suburbs further and further to begin with. Um, and so, you know, one thing about affordable housing is that in some sense, some, you know, to a certain extent, we can be a little bit counter that we already got, thank God, passed the bond. And, 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 you know, we do have, we, there are funds for low income housing, but as we know, you know, our social safety nets get cut you know, a lot. And we were, you know, what I'm really worried about is we were just getting to this point that the state of California is finally starting to take the, the affordable housing crisis serious 
And then by that, I mean like really expanding funding and the federal government, there's this person that's running HUD right now and we'll leave that D, but even they have been more willing, HUD has been more willing to talk about more funding and I'm yeah. worried that, and, and if we need to cut, we need to cut, but I'm worried that this crisis will be used by people down the road yeah. for cutting something that they probably wanted to cut anyway, but right. because of the organizing and the work that the advocates have done over the last you know, five, 10 years, they couldn't, right? Like affordable housing is on everyone's, it's like a, for the first time ever, it's being talked about in presidential debates. And, and so I, I'm worried, I just, I'm, what I'm most worried about is it really felt like momentum was like slowly starting right. to happen. Um, and I'm sure a lot of industries are like that. Do you think it's possible that the economic fallout that occurs as a result of the shutdown might instigate or catalyze the desire for more affordable housing? Is that possible or is, is that just wishful thinking? No, 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 no. I mean, I, I, it certainly will, but it's important to remember that, I mean, I don't know that we could have a louder cry for affordable housing right now, right. Um, you know, but the shutdown, you can, you can scream for affordable housing all you want, truly, yeah. but we have set up our society to have it be, you know, inner, it's married to market rate housing. Whether, no matter who you vote for, I don't care if you read 48 Hills or the Chronicle, it's attached to market rate housing. And so, you know, if we kill all economic engines and we know, you know, we know how much housing is used as an economic engine right. in our country, especially, but throughout the right. world, we really will be killing even any chance that we have it to, to deliver on that affordable housing. So, Right. You know, what I would really love to see is that we disentangle the two, right. <laughs> for one, if, if that's a thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that you're, I, I just, I, you know, I, God, this crisis is horrible and I wouldn't want anyone to go through it. But I, I do think that you'd, you'd have to be hard pressed right now, especially not to see, you know, how important it is to have like a house, a home for everyone. Right. It, you know, it's extremely blatant right now. Yep. And, you know, we've been underbuilding housing for so long in the city, so long in the Bay Area. And, you know, I, on the one hand, I'm happy that our construction projects are still going forward. But on the other hand, like, they're going forward because we stopped, we didn't build enough housing a decade ago and 20 years ago. So yep. we we're having to like put, you know, we're putting workers into a situation that perhaps we wouldn't have had to. Okay, two more number and budgetary questions for you. Go for it, I love it. Okay, so one, the $3 trillion federal stimulus bill, was yeah. any money in there allocated to building housing? Yeah, so there, there was. I know that there was a good amount. I don't have it all handy right now, um, uh, but I do know that there was a good amount of money for public housing, um, which will filter down through, sorry, I use the word filter, uh, which will uh, filter down, it'll trickle down through uh, HUD. It's better than trickle down. We don't want to <laughs> <laughs> to all of the housing authorities. Um, and then I also saw that they drastically increased the community development block grant money, CDBG. We love our acronyms in this mm -hmm. industry. Um, CDBG, community development block grant money, has for a really long time been one way that nonprofit developers uh, pay for their salaries um, for like, you know, pay, pay, pay part of their operating costs. And so that's a really, really important thing too. Okay, and what about the uh, $1.7 billion potential shortfall that we found out today or yesterday? Uh, we got the press release that, you know, the mayor is saying, you know, the city may lose as much as the budget will shrink by about $1.7 billion. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think that will affect your work 
uh, as an affordable housing developer? I mean, it's, it, it's always hard anytime anything's trimmed and, you know, anything, I mean, it's, it's the thing about the affordable housing industry that is so difficult is that even in the best of times, the way that we have to cobble together money, you know, from so many different places means that like if any one little thing goes wrong, deals can fall through. And so anytime anyone's talking about anything except for like sunshine and roses, um, it, it, it has a, a, an outweighed drastic effect on especially funding. So yeah, I'm, I'm, it's scary. Uh, operator, are you, you're in there? You're there. Okay. Yeah, I'm working on stuff. Yes. Thank you. Peter. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> it was hard to concentrate. I was like, gosh. I know. Oh my God, Sam. Okay. I want to talk to you about the difference between the tenants and the residents. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so, so you have a lot of tenants um, right. and you have a lot of residents mm-hmm. and the, the population that is in your uh, housing are folks that are living in affordable housing. And so you're, you can make the, uh, the guess that these are not folks who are living at the top of the economic, you know, food, food chain or whatever. These are sure. folks that maybe a lot, you know, do you know how many of your folks have lost their jobs? Do you know how many folks, you know, maybe can't pay yeah. rent? And, and then also, what are you hearing from your commercial tenants? Um, you know, you're the first landlord that I'm speaking to. And so we talked to a lot of folks who are suffering on the, on the ground floor or in, the re- in, in their homes, but how, what are you seeing as a landlord? Well, I mean, I think that, we, we do have an, we have a lot of working families, right? Um, we have a lot and, and there is a lot of people in the service industry, a lot of, a lot of non-exempt jobs um, and even some exempt jobs. So, you know, we, we are certainly hearing from a lot of our tenants that, you know, either they have lost their means of income or they're worried that they will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the worry is just as valid right now. Certainly if you lose your income, that's horrible. I, but you know, we have been approached by a lot of tenants and, um, you know, myself and Marcia Contreras, our deputy executive director and, and our staff, you know, we're working really hard to, to put into place a, like a portfolio wide policy. Um, and no, you know, the first thing that we, I want to say though, is like, we're not in the eviction business. It's not something that mission housing does. Like if you're in one of our buildings, whether you be a residential or commercial tenant, like you should be, you should rest assured that you will in no way, shape or form ever be negatively penalized because of a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you. I've heard a couple horror stories of landlords sending rent increases and things like that right now. And it takes a special kind of entity or person to do something like that. But, you know, <laughs> mission housing, I'm really proud because, you know, we, we are a nonprofit, right? We're a community development corporation. So that's who we work for the community and, yeah. I, you know, we were already, we already are a, a, an entity in, that, that in our core mission believes that when you are one of our tenants, you're in our family. And so yeah. you know, long before our crisis, I would say some of the most impressive and important work that our resident and community services department does is ensuring that our tenants don't get to the point where they might be evicted, right? You, you help them out way early. Because right. like we're all kind of in this together, so you know I think my I think the affordable housing industry especially is po- once again we are poised to help solve all the ills of the world, which is what we're called upon to do at every single property. So mm-hmm. you know maybe if there was some affordable housing in the sunset, we could be helping them out too. Yeah, I mean it is it is um, you someday. know I, I I feel lucky to be a tenant of Mission Housing. 
I really do. Thank you. We're lucky to have you. You don't hear a lot. There aren't a lot of landlords that look at tenancy with the first filter mm-hmm. is how to solve society's problems, how to be, how to be just. Um, and so you can't, you can't ask for a better landlord, especially in, um, you know, the work that we're doing at Manny's, which is all about civic engagement. Um, and most people are not that lucky. You know, most landlords are thinking first and foremost about Mm-hmm. Or, or, or you know whatever that is they're not first thinking about social justice so mm-hmm. i do feel lucky taking your but taking your mission housing hat off and just okay. going, just being a landlord how do you okay. think, how do you think this is going to affect um landlords around the country i mean there's an article today in the new york times about how it's april 1 and 40 percent of new yorkers are probably not going to pay rent and right. it might have a ripple effect so how is what do you how what's the effect going to be of that? yeah you know i think that the landlord is really the middle person for like the bank and the investment hedge, like hedge from the investment money. And then the just, I mean, I'm a renter, right? Or I went to North Beach. And so like, um, I think that the ripple effect will really depend on, and I, and I hate to say this because I don't think that BlackRock does have anyone's best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, BlackRock became the largest landlord after the recession, not because it wanted to get in the housing crisis, but because it foreclosed on so many loans, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, I've been trying to talk, it's a, you bring up a good point, I've been trying to talk with my staff here and there about like, if, you know, everyone, hopefully everyone realizes that we all have hit the pause button kind of for our lives in right. terms of when things were due or when we had a deliverable or you know, when do we pay taxes, you know, these things, it's not just us, like the banks have to push stuff back and the government's pushing stuff back. Right. And, you know, I think landlords are freaking out for sure. You are know, the banks doing that? Are the banks saying to, are you hearing me uh, not from you, but other landlords like, Hey, we understand what's going no. on. You don't have to pay us back this month. No, no, no. It'll it, like everything else. It will take organizing from tenants to, to tell other tenants about it. Um, Organized to the banks? No, I'm saying like, like you know, if the, you know, like if there is mortgage forgiveness, right? Like we have it there. Some people are demanding mortgage forgiveness, right? For single family homes, like it will trickle to other places. But you know, I think that I think that the landlords, especially, are in a unique position where a lot of them, like, they need all the rent just to pay their loan, right? Mm-hmm. They, 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 they over leverage themselves. They took, they took money and it requires the pay, you know, they're in some ways they're really like check to check, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not like that. And so what I, that's what I mean. I think it'll, it, it, and it's scary because the last time that we got into a situation like that, yeah. places like BlackRock just like took everything. And so I hope that, I hope HUD, you know, I, I, I God, I can't believe I'm saying I hope HUD helps out, but like, you know, it, it, it's going to take, it's if it if it's as bad as everyone really does believe that it is, yeah. And we use the recession as a uh, like a litmus test for how bad it could and has gotten recently. Then yeah, I mean, I think it's I think the ripple effect of the no rent paying will really like be something that shines a light on how what we've done to real estate in this country, right? Which is like to use it as this ridiculous wealth engine that yeah. topples over at the you know slightest wind, right? Um, and just, we're going to open up to Q&A in just a, a minute or two. So if you have a question for Sam, uh, now is the time to write it into the Q&A box. So if you have a question for Sam, you can write it into the Q&A box. Um, I want to ask you about San Francisco, because I know you think 
you eat, breathe, and sleep San Francisco. This is, you know, you're so involved in the city. And I want to ask you um, what you what you perceive to be, um, you know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, with every crisis comes opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that this is a case of silver lining, right? It's an unabashed tragedy. Yeah. Economic and also a health tragedy. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it is a crisis and there are opportunities in crisis. And so how are you maybe thinking about this, about some of the opportunities that might be presenting themselves via this crisis? And how do you think actually the city can grow from this? Well, I mean, I think that, I, you know, I think that we, the affordable housing industry, mission housing especially, like we have certainly, you know, we have done our best to have rainy day money and that might translate into being able to make some purchases down the road. But like, first and foremost, I am personally most concerned with ensuring that all of mission housing staff, you know, continues getting a paycheck and everything. And, and, and we are very solvent. Thank God we have such a good staff and and such a good board that, that we're okay. But, you know, I think that when you talk about, when you talk about like a crisis and an opportunity, I think especially for my industry or the way I see the world, it usually means that some entity has to have a bunch of money somewhere. Um, and that, it, and I think it's what you, where you're getting at and that there might, then there, I don't know if, if we've really found that silver lining yet, because I think we all saw the budget. Well, not everyone, I guess not everyone watches SFGov TV every day, but um, you know, our leaders are talking about cutting tens of millions of dollars from our budget already. Um, and yes, we have a bazillion dollar budget, but so that money, you know, so I think that what more than anything is the way that we interact politically and democratically is going to never go back to the same way. You know, I get, I talk all the time about how one of my biggest frustrations is that most people, you know, we make, we make participating in our democracy like as undemocratic as we possibly can, right? Show up at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday and you can participate in democracy. And like, you know, I think that now that we're showing everyone that you can just have Zoom, you can videotape your public comment. Um, I think that what the opportunity that we can grab right now is making the way that we engage civically so much more equitable, so much more inclusive, you know? Um, the typical person gets a notice of housing in the mail and they look at it and they're like, Hmm, cool. And they crumple it up and they go make dinner and watch Netflix. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't count as supporting housing at all. And so I think that a lot of those people might at least, you know, get on zoom and get, you know, not everyone certainly, but I think that, I think what I'm hoping is, is that what we can take advantage of the most is like getting more people to continue, you know, to be civically engaged for the rest of the times, not just because we're all fearing for our lives. Right. All right. So let's get to, thank you for that, Sam. And let's get to some of these questions. We have a fair amount. Um, We've got a little under 10 minutes to get to them. So Fred wants to know, will the economic collapse provide cheap housing? Uh, Um, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, cheap housing. I think that you get what you pay for. Um, I hope that the economic, if we do have someone, I, I do hope that we'll get a ton more market rate and affordable housing. I, I hope that it does lead to more construction being available, but you know, cheap housing is, uh, you know, it's, it's cheap. And, uh, we literally are going through a period in our city where 
we didn't build structurally sound buildings and we're paying for it now. So I hope it leads to a lot of high quality market. It's like bedding, it's like bedding kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you have bad bedding, it won't breathe. Anymore. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't want it to be too cheap. Brian, yeah. can you talk a little bit about how the super low interest rates that we have, about the super low interest rates that we have right now, does that hurt or help, hurt or help affordable housing production? Well, I mean, I, it helps in the sense that if, a mar- if, an, if an affordable housing developer is confident that it has a revenue stream and can go get normal modes of debt, then that just helps us compete. Because what we do is we compete, we just compete against the market, right? Like there's, there's no like super special secret sauce of going and buying a land and turning into affordable housing. And right. you know, it's, but and it's always been kind of like a zero sum game, right? So the interest rates can go as low or whatever as we want if you don't have a city agency or a state or federal agency that's like in it with you for the long haul. And by that, I mean a large chunk of the gap of the funding necessary of the 80 to hundred million dollars it takes to build a new building. Then, you know, you're not getting a low interest rate is far from your worst problem. So it doesn't hurt, but um, our industry doesn't fluctuate as much with stuff like that. Got it. Rafa wants to, as asked you, um, they said that there's a good chance many California cities will have to dramatically increase their pension obligation payments to CalPERS to cover the likely shortfall in their invents, investments this year. Mm-hmm. How might a 25% increase in municipal pension obligations affect affordable housing development? Poof. Um, you know, I think that... Very specific question. Yeah, it is. Um, well, I, yeah, I guess it's because I used to manage pension real estate. Um, I guess I brought that one on myself. Um, you know, the pension investment has always been a tricky thing for affordable housing because the actuaries, when you, when pension funds invest, they need to make a certain, uh, percentage, right? They need to like make their return and CalPERS hasn't been making that. That's why we're going to have to make a big contribution. Um, and so if, if the 25% increase also comes with a more reasonable, um, assumption on what that money should make if they lend it to affordable housing. And by reasonable, I mean back down into the regular stratosphere that we can afford to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, then it could be really great, but you know, we'll see. Got it. There's some questions about ways in which mission housing um, is seeing itself uh, now in this moment of crisis as more than just a place to house, but actually uh, part of making the whole mission community better and stronger. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you perceive mission housing and a rising population? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, that's a really great question. I think that, you know, we always say at mission housing that we don't own our properties, that we're stewards for that land, for, for our surrounding community. When we have a community room, we open it up to our, to the surrounding neighborhood. I think that you know, right now what we're seeing is first and foremost, our tenants, you know, they need that support. They need that emotional or financial, what have you support. Um, we have been putting out a ton of best practices, updates on through our website. You know, we've been making all of the materials that we provide to our tenants. We've been making that somewhat public so that everyone who lives around our buildings or everyone, you know, can get that information. And I think that, like I said before, we really are called upon to solve all the ills of the world at every single property. And because of that, we do have this infrastructure where we can disseminate information and we can act as a sounding board and we can act as a support system. Um, And the only reason we're able to do that is because we built housing there. Um, So, you know, I, 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 I think that it's the mission housing, especially right now needs to be a force of, of, not just calm, but, you know, we need to help lead. Um, I'm really proud, especially our resident services staff. They are really like at the forefront 
citywide of of how we're executing things like food pantry and what we're doing to protect our staff and what we can do to protect our community. And so, um, you know, I think that it's really important for mission to, to keep doing that as long as we're keeping our staff safe. And I think, I hope that the mission knows that the only reason we can do that is because of all the housing that we've built over the last five decades. All right, there's two questions about specific construction projects. Okay. Sarah wants a status update on 1979 mission, and someone whose name is Galaxy S9 Plus wants to know how the 1950 mission project is doing, and when is it? So, okay, well, 1979 mission, the marvel in the mission. Um, I don't think that's for me to give that update. Uh, mission Housing is really honored to be somewhat part of the community group that is working to figure out a way to purchase that site and to build 100% affordable housing on the site. Oh, that's, the, uh, is that 16th street? Yeah, that's, uh, that's wow. where the monster was slayed recently. Wow, I see, I see. So, okay, that's exciting. Um, and then 1950 mission is, is still moving forward because the affordable housing is deemed an essential, um, act. Um, you know, we believe we're still basically on schedule. Um, it was always set to hopefully be done and leased up before the end of the year. Um, you know, it's real estate. So like if you aim for March, but you land by August, you basically won. So, you know, it, you know, it's tough. It's, you know, it's tough to say specifically when something will be done, but I, I am confident that our development team and work, you know, the mayor's office housing especially has been really helpful. So we're hoping that's still on schedule. Got it. Kirby, my friend Kirby. Hey, Kirby. Kirby's got a question. Uh, with the economic, um, okay, with the economic contradiction that there will be a decrease in market rate development to cross subsidize below market rate housing development, and at the same time, an increased demand for BMR housing with increased unemployment, mm -hmm. how does Mission Housing seek to approach this problem? Well, like I said, we our industry will never be will never truly be what everybody deserves until the federal and state and and state governments start taking the funding of affordable housing as seriously as San Francisco does. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I think in my capacity as ED needs to be now is, is really advocating for more public dollars for affordable housing. Um, and it's a, the reason that I think it can happen is because dollar for dollar, you know, when you build an affordable housing building, you're also building a daycare center and you're building a medical facility and you're building a free computer lab and you're building all these things that the government would have to provide or need to provide somewhere else. And so you're actually getting a lot for your money. Um, and when we see now how much money we have to spend on first responders and trash and, and, and DPW and things like that, all of that stuff cumulatively in a city that gets less expensive when we have high quality affordable housing in every neighborhood. Yeah. And so um, I'm cautiously optimistic that our leaders will see that down the road, um, you know, once we're trying to pick up all the pieces. Yeah. Well, there are a lot more questions, Sam, but we've, we've agreed to keep these conversations okay. for three minutes. Um, I'm happy to, if anybody wants to email me at smos at missionhousing.org, I'm, I'm happy to keep talking about anything. You know. Actually, you know, why don't I just ask this one last question? Oh, Grant, Great. I thought that was, this is interesting. Randy Shaw wrote today about how the pandemic uh, and economic impacts could potentially create openings for affordable housing, like buying entitled properties, buying mm -hmm. buildings, buying vacant lands. What needs to happen for um, 
to basically to make this happen, especially in working class neighborhoods in San Francisco? Well, two things. One, we need apartment buildings to be legal in every neighborhood of San Francisco. Uh, and I mean that for affordable and market rate housing. Um, we can pour all the bazillions of dollars that we want into it. And, and you know, that's the other thing that it requires is a lot of money. But right. until we make it so that an apartment building can be built on every lot of San Francisco, you're still going to be paying a premium for things like construction and, and, and that stuff. And so, you know, Randy is right um, that – and the mission housing is a really good example. I think you wrote about today about how we didn't take advantage of about two from 2000 to 2012. And, you know, we're reaping the whirlwind right now because of it with the displacement bomb that went off in the mission. And so what it's going to take is, is funds, for, you know, public dollars. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take, like I said, we're going to have to make, especially hundred percent affordable. We're going to have to make it buy right. You just get to build it no matter what. I, I don't care what you I just don't think that we have to do that um and 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 then we need to ensure that our our developers our affordable housing developers stay solvent long enough to ride out this storm as well um so that there are people with experience to utilize those funds when the time comes well, Sam, thank you so much. It's missionhousing.org. Thank you. Um, and Manny's, if, if the operator, Sam, could put the uh, link in the chat box uh, to become a sponsor of Manny's. It's joinit.org slash o slash Manny's. We need your help right now. We are shut down and closed. Uh, and so we're asking everyone on this call, or this, this video moment we're going on right now, to please consider becoming a sponsor of Manny's. We really do need your help right now to get us through this, this moment as well. Um, thank you, Sam, for being such a great landlord. No thank you, Mission Housing, Sam, and Mission Housing, and Marcia, and Paul, uh, <laughs> and Joe, and all the people who have made uh, Manny's possible. Um, thank you for doing that. Um, and folks, for tuning in, you can tag us at welcometomanny's.com, and you can tag Mission Housing at Mission Housing. Great. Thanks, right. everybody. Thank you, Sam. And thank you, Sam, to put it in the Bye-bye.